0: Chapter four of the Plastic Age by Percy Marks The recording is in the public domain. Carl's adviser had been less efficient than Hugh's. Therefore he knew what his courses were, where the classes met, and the hours, the names of his instructors, and the requirements other than Latin for a BS degree. Carl said that he was taking a B.S because he had had a year of Greek at Kane, and was therefore perfectly competent to make full use of the language. He could read the letters on the front doors of the fraternity houses. The boys found that their courses were the same, but that they were in different sections. Hugh was in a dilemma. He could make nothing out of his card. Here, said Carl, Give the thing to me. My advisor was a good scout and wised me up. This PC isn't paper-cutting, as you might suppose. It's gym. You'll get out of that by signing up for track. PC means physical culture. Think of that. You can sign up for track any time tomorrow down at the gym. And E-1-7 Means that you're in English 1, section 7. And M is math. You're in section 3. Lat means Latin, of course. Section 6. My advisor. He tried pretty hard to be funny. Said that GS wasn't glorious salvation, but general science. That meets in the big lecture hall in Cranston. We all go to that. And H-1-4 means that you're in Section 4 of History 1. See? That's all there is to it. Now this thing, he held up a printed schedule, tells you where the classes meet. With a great deal of labor, discussion, and profanity, they finally got a schedule made out that meant something to Hugh. He heaved a prop sigh of relief when they finished. "'Well,' he exclaimed, "'that's that. "'At last I know where I'm going. "'You certainly saved my life. "'I know where all the buildings are, "'so it ought to be easy.' "'Sure,' said Carl encouragingly. "'It's easy. "'Now there's nothing to do till tomorrow, "'until 8.45.' when we attend chapel to the glory of the Lord. I think I'll pray tomorrow. I may need it. Christ, I hate to study. Me too, Hugh lied. He really loved books, but somehow he couldn't admit the fact, which had suddenly become shameful, to Carl. Let's go to the movies, he suggested changing the subject for safety. Right-o! Carl put on his freshman cap and flung Hughes to him. Gloria Nielsen is there, and she's a pash baby. Ought to be a good film. The Blue and Orange, it was the only movie theater in town, was almost full when the boys arrived. Only a few seats near the front were still vacant. A freshman started down the aisle, his baby bonnet stuck jauntily on the back of his head. "'Freshman! Kill him! Murder the frosh!' Shouts came from all parts of the house, and an instant later hundreds of peanuts shot swiftly at the startled freshman. "'Cap! Cap! Cap off!' There was a panic of excitement. Upper classmen were standing on their chairs to get free throwing room. The freshman snatched off his cap, drew his head like a scared turtle down into his coat collar, and ran for a seat. Hugh and Carl tucked their caps into their coat pockets and attempted to stroll nonchalantly down the aisle. They hadn't taken three steps before the bombardment began. Like their classmate, they ran for safety. Then someone in the front of the theater threw a peanut at someone in the rear. The fight was on. Yelling like madmen, the students stood on their chairs and hurled peanuts, the front and rear of the house automatically dividing into enemy camps when the fight was at its hottest three girls entered women women as the girls walked down the aisle infinitely pleased with their reception five hundred men stamped in time with their steps no sooner were the girls seated than there was a scramble in one corner an excited scuffling of feet i've got it a boy screamed He stood on his chair and held up a live mouse by its tail. There was a shout of applause and then, PLAY CATCH! The boy dropped the writhing mouse into a peanut bag, screwed the open end tight closed, and then threw the bag far across the room. Another boy caught it and threw it, this time over the girls' heads They screamed and jumped upon their chairs, holding their skirts, and dancing up and down in assumed terror, back over their heads. Back and over, again and again, the bagged mouse was thrown, while the girls screamed and the boys roared with delight. Suddenly one of the girls threw up her arm, caught the bag deftly, held it for a second, and then tossed it into the rear of the theater cheers of terrifying violence broke loose ray ray at a girl hot dog ray ray and then the lights went out music 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 the audience stamped and roared whistled and howled music we want music the pianist an undergraduate calmly strolled down the aisle get a move on earn your salary give us music the pianist paused to thumb his nose casually at the entire audience and then amid shouts and hisses sat down at the piano and began to play love nest Immediately the boys began to whistle, and as the comedy was utterly stupid, they relieved their boredom by whistling the various tunes that the pianist played until the miserable film flickered out. Then the feature and the fun began. During the stretches of pure narrative, the boys whistled. But when there was any real action, they talked. The picture was a melodrama of love and hate, as the advertisement said. The boys told the actors what to do. They revealed to them the secrets of the plot. She's hiding behind the door, Harold. No, no, not that way. Hey, dumbbell, behind the door. Catch him, Gloria. He's only shy. No, that's not him. The climactic fight brought shouts of encouragement to the villain. Kill him! Shoot one to his kidneys! Ah! as the villain hit the hero in the stomach. Muss his hair! Attaboy! Kill the skunk! And finally groans of despair when the hero won his inevitable victory but it was the love-scenes that aroused the greatest ardor and joy. The hero was given careful instructions. "'Some neckin', Harold.' "'Kiss her! Kiss her!' "'Ah! Harold! Harold! You're getting rough!' "'She's vamping you, Harold!' "'Stop it, Gloria. He's a good boy.' and so on until the picture ended in the usual close-up of the hero and heroine, silhouetted in a tender embrace against the setting sun. The boys breathed ah and oh ecstatically, and laughed. The meretricious melodrama did not fool them, but they delighted in its absurdities, The lights flashed on and the crowd filed out, wisecracking about the picture and commenting favorably on the heroine's figure. There were shouts to this fellow or that fellow to come on over and play bridge, and suggestions here and there to go to a drugstore and get a drink. Hugh and Carl strolled home over the dark campus, both of them radiant with excitement. Hugh, frankly, so. Golly, I did enjoy that, he exclaimed. I never had a better time. It was sure hot stuff. I don't want to go to the room. Let's walk for a while. Yeah, it was pretty good, Carl admitted. Nope, I can't go walking. Gotta write a letter who to the harem carl hunched his shoulders until his ears touched his coat collar get in cold falls here nope not the harem my old lady hugh looked at him bewildered he was finding carl more and more a conundrum he consistently called his mother his old lady insisted that she was a damned nuisance, and wrote to her every night. Hugh was writing to his mother only twice a week. It was very confusing. End of chapter 4